Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me this week is my co-host from Dungeons & Diapers, Crofton. How's it going, Crofton? 500 episodes we did it ryan congratulations i can't believe you're having me here for episode 500 i am so excited to be here i mean it's such an honor episode 500 and you think of me just the best it's 510 we already what it's 510 500 and 510 so that's okay that's not as good um still still i mean you know it it is nice to be here i mean it would have been nice to be here on episode 500 like i i thought that's what the the message said but that's that's cool i'm i'm still still happy to be here just freshly back from vacation still got a little bit of vacation brain ryan that's okay. Yeah. No. Uh. Well. I mean. You know. If you wanted to celebrate 500 with us, we did do a call out to all the listeners who listen on who are in our Discord who might want to like send in a story or something. For but it's fine. You probably you likely missed that. Uh. It was yeah. it was a busy time of the year. It's all good. But um. Crofton's here this week. Jocelyn's out sick. She'll be back next week. Uh. She's been playing Ghostwire Tokyo and Tiny Tina's Wonderland. So she'll have all kinds of impressions to. Uh, to, to give us next week when she returns. But Crofton, as you said, you're back from vacation mode. Um, I, I we're going to jump around a little bit here, but I, I did want to ask like you, you specifically did. I think you did a call in the gamers in discord for, for vacation games. And did you pick any of those up? Yeah. So um, let's get right to it, Ryan. Let's, let's kill chaos, right? Yeah. Let's uh, let's jump in. Um, so uh, yeah. Uh, vacation games. Uh, thank you. Uh, Jimmy the Shovel and those who offered suggestions in uh, the uh, the Discord. Um, I was looking for a vacation game that I could take, primarily that I could play on my Switch. And I played all the, you know, the big heavy hitter games, uh, one of which just got delayed. Uh, well, you can talk about that later. But um, I, I, so I was looking for something a little bit off the main uh, path like off the beaten path so to speak and uh the game I, I i ended up picking up was golf story uh are you familiar with this one i am familiar with it but i have not played it yet yeah it's uh it's a pixel art sort of indie a little bit and it came out earlier in the switch's life cycle and it's like i guess on um uh, i want i want to say game boy color or Way back when they they had a Mario Golf that had sort of like this weird RPG mode to it, and in the same way that Stardew Valley is kind of um, a spinoff of the Harvest Moon games, inspired by those games and brought to life for a new generation. This is the same thing with that type of uh, RPG golf. So the golf thing is it's that basic golf game that you may have played since the early Nintendo days, where like you hit one button you know, to, to, to swing and then you got to stop the cursor and then you hit it again for strength and whatever. It's the same like three click 
um, golfing mechanic that's existed in video games forever, but it's surrounded by like all sorts of like cute packaging, RPG packaging, where you go from golf course to golf course, which are designed, you know, there's like the, the prehistoric one and the surfer one. And, and like, they all have like some sort of theme and this cast of characters and all of this. Uh, and you go around doing side quests and all that, that often involve, you know, uh, pu um, putting or, or, or driving or just doing things in odd ways. There's even, you know, disc golf and mini golf make tongue in cheek appearances. All in all, it's like a pretty lighthearted game and kind of like the definition of a good vacation game. Like you can easily put it down. You don't, it, it's interesting, but not too interesting. Um, if that's, if that's like, I mean that in the best way, like it's not going to, engross you to the extent that like a big triple a or a zelda is you're you're gonna you're gonna be able to put it down so i really enjoyed it mostly but there were some things about it that were off-putting like it, it feels indie in some ways including like sometimes it's like you're looking for a quest giver or a character you just don't know where they are sometimes it's a little obtuse to figure out what you need to do next I know I was stuck and I almost gave up on it a couple of times. I think I'm still going to play play through as to use the golf terminology. Uh, but I also restarted this game uh, that I had on the Switch and that I I played years ago. And what's so great about the Switch, it actually can take, especially the smaller indies, there's a lot of room on it. Like there's a lot, I have, I had a lot of games. I'm like, man, I can't believe I have all these on there. And it, it one I, I restarted was into the breach, which is a strategic game made by the, the folks that made FTL, which was another game that I really liked. And uh, I, I restarted some into the breach and I bounced between into the breach and golf story. And they were both like really great, like playing games. You can put them down and both like, very very compelling and into the breach like um uh, is a game got a lot of play a few years ago um but if, if if your listeners haven't picked it up i i mean of the two it's the higher it's for sure the higher quality and 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 better made game but i had played it before so it didn't have that novelty factor i would say that they were both like par for the course maybe maybe a birdie uh i give a birdie to into the breach and par for a golf story you know all of my golf knowledge uh, comes from Mario Golf. I mean, uh, I remember you used to be able to spam a button um, that would make your character make noise as other people were playing. Um, that's also a part of golf. I remember uh, my cousin was always Waluigi, and it was super annoying because he'd always go, I'm going to win or something like that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, golf, it's... Golf like story. something Waluigi would say. Yeah, well, I think or maybe it was Wario. Would go, I'm gonna win, and Waluigi would go like something like uh, Waluigi. He's like a Pokemon. He only says his name, right? Yeah. Waluigi. Waluigi. You know. So yeah. uh, no, uh, but that that has nothing to do with Golf Story. I have not played Golf Story, but I have played Into the Breach, and I absolutely love that game. I, I don't think it had the legs that FTL did for me, but I did really enjoy into the breach and it is a it is a fantastic strategy game and i think there is um there's a game that either is out now in early access or is out fully i think it's called there's another game similar to it that just came out on steam and i'm trying to remember what it was called and it it's escaping me uh for some reason let's let's spend a few minutes of podcast time while you yeah. try to figure it out i, I, I already like... figured it out i think it's it's called oh. uh kaiju wars and it's out now it's it's not out till end of april but it but there is a demo you can play and it's uh 
it's cool. It's got a similar structure to FTL, um, but instead of fighting giant robots, you're fighting giant monsters. So there you go. Sweet. Well, you in, do you mean into the breach? FTL, you're traveling through space. Uh, did I say FTL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the breach is giant robots. And it, you are giant robots, in, 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 right. and you're fighting an alien invasion. <laughs> okay. I swear I played Into the Breach, but it was a long sure time ago. Sure you did, buddy. I know. It, I'm really <laughs> making it sound like I never played it, but uh, I don't even know when it came out. I feel like it came out Actually, like four years ago. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna give a little spiel on Into the Breach for your listeners in case they missed it. So the idea sure. of this game is that you are these uh, – there is an alien invasion, and you go um, – it's a sort of isometric grid based type type gameplay. And you you get a sort of a faction of three like giant robots. Each one has like kind of one special power. Um, and uh, and at the beginning, you only have one group to choose from, but then you can choose from any uh, multiple and each one has a pilot and the pilots give you certain skills as well and all of this. Uh, and then you go through and it's like a rogue like in the sense that you, you go through these missions and you've got to balance a lot of things that will lead to failure, not just losing all your guys, but a certain amount of energy going off the grid and just different things. And if you lose, you go back to the beginning, but one of your pilots will travel through time because uh, there's a time travel element of this. And even in a, a mission, you can often re rewind a turn uh, if you have that power. And so there's this time time flex element of it as well. So you're repeating the same thing until you beat all these islands. And there's like a lava island and an ice island and all of that sort of thing. Uh, and, and so each one is divided into missions and you can tackle them in whatever order. And then eventually the, the alien boss will emerge and you have to, you have to fight it. It's always a series of these turn-based battles. Um, but I'm probably doing it in injustice in terms of all the detail that's packed into these sprites and, and how they play and all the, all the choices that you can make. But yeah, it's, it's really, really fun. And because it's so turn-based, it's very easy again, you know, to put down um, and to just, it's also like to play another round. Oh, I, I had a really bad, bad run that time. I'm going to, I'm going to play again because there is some chance to it and stuff. So yeah, uh, Into the Breach uh, is a, is a great game. Like it's honestly an awesome game. Golf Star is a good game. I enjoyed both of them for the time that I got to play on vacation. Nice. Well, that's really great. Um, I'm curious uh, if you are interested in the new Halo show that just started last week. I mean, it's tough. Uh, I did like I am pseudo interested. Uh -huh. I've played. Um, a fair amount of Halo uh, up until uh, Halo 3. I finished that, and then I didn't play 4 or 5, um, as I mentioned on Dungeons & Diapers, which is a fantastic show, by the way. Um, and uh, then when Halo Infinite came out, I, I dusted off the old Halo, and I played that. And I enjoy it very much, but let's be honest, Ryan, that story is not why I'm coming back to Halo. I'm coming to shoot aliens in the face. So the story... To be when there's a TV series, I was like, oh yeah, I mean, like I could see how they have a but enough lore there to warrant one, but it didn't feel like 
a must-have. And I am a, a little bit biased against video game stuff. I know that the curse is over. There's a lot of great stuff, including Castlevania on Netflix and other things. It's just, I it, it doesn't draw me. Uh, I'd rather just pl continue playing Halo Infinite. So when all once all the episodes are out, I'll maybe check it out. But if there was somebody that had seen an episode already that could give me their opinion on it, then that would make it easier because maybe I should get in earlier. <laughs> well, it's good that you said those words because I have watched the first episode. And Damn. Yeah, I mean, it's what are the chances, right? To bring it up and have consumed the content. Uh, so, yes, episode one of Halo is out right now. Uh, it's on Paramount Plus, and uh, it is a weekly release, and I believe it's thursdays yes so it's released every thursday so episode two likely when you're listening to this will already be out but i don't i don't have time travel um but you do so the thing is uh it is a tv show based on a video game that's the first thing to get out of the way so there is a bar that is being set and uh that bar is uh, in terms of adaptations it, it is still quite it's still a little bit lower than like say you know books or um, even adapting TV into movies and movies into TV, you know, that sort of, there, you know what I mean? Like there's this bar for video game movies that it's just not quite high as like comic books or books or, or, or right. the expectations of, of those medium crossovers. But you are correct. We're getting there. I will say that, but I will say that there's a couple of series or names that kind of have higher expectations attached to them. Like, look, I haven't seen the Sonic the Hedgehog movies. <laughs> he did it. Everybody at home, you saw it here first. <laughs> I didn't do it. He did it. <laughs> but but you you know like go you know, the expectation for story or quality maybe lower than for the Last of Us prestige TV series, right? Um, and it's for me, Halo is one of those ones that straddles the line. There are hardcore Halo fans. Uh, and, you know, it's always had like kind of like a T for teen, like not quite mature, uh, but T for teen type type audience. And I just feel like there is a good chance of it being good, you know, like uh, of it being de uh, a decent adaptation because there's enough lore. Like there are books based mm -hmm. in the Halo universe, right? So if they have enough for a book, then I feel that they probably have enough for a tv series yeah there there are books i've read uh the first few back in the day i've i've not read a video game movie or a video game novel in a while and and they or, or a novel in uh, a while. true you are not incorrect uh, you thought that was a jab but it is it is truth i i think the last <laughs> book i read was actually um the pseudo uh biography of uh satura iwata asks iwata that was really good that was the last book i read um, it's actually, I don't think I finished it. I think I got like 10 pages stared at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was a self jab. I All know right. I did that to myself. Anyways, here, let's get back to Halo. I'm going to like, so I, um, lately I've been, uh, so you know, this, um, on my zombie show, I do clips of all the movies we're watching. So I've gotten into the habit of when we're watching properties and certain trailers for certain video game movies, I will do clips and, and I'll play one, but I brought one here from Halo and, um, it's not a very clippable show. Obviously, that first episode is setting up a lot, and it is setting up the robotic nature of the Spartans. I mean, Master Chief isn't known for talking uh, quite a lot. Um, he's also not known for taking his helmet off. But uh, and there is a. We'll get back to that 
I don't know if it's a controversy. People are upset that he takes his helmet off in the show. I, I don't really care. I, I think it's fine. It, it makes sense for him to take his helmet off uh, in a TV show because it's a TV show. But um, actually, you say that out loud, and then I, I immediately think of The Mandalorian. And uh, anyways, we'll get back to that. But here's, here's, a, here's a bit of the writing. And I don't know, like, th- this isn't representative of the whole show, but I thought this was a funny moment. It's early on, but here we go. You don't eat? Didn't see anything I liked. Yeah? What is it you like? Nuts. Bolts. Microchips. That was a joke. Yeah, no, I've got it. Hilarious. You ever take that thing off? All of my diagnostic command and control systems run through here. I need it. Master Chief, huh? So that's uh, that's Master Chief interacting with um, a rebel soldier that they had captured uh, near the start of the... Not really captured, more saved at the start of the episode. And I mean, this kind of like gives you an idea of what Master Chief sounds like. Um, he's not quite that like heroic one-liner character in the show so far um he is much more robotic which i think is more in line with the you know uh the lore pre-games um master chief really doesn't get much of a personality until until he has cortana like the the spartans are very robotic uh they are essentially humans that have been augmented to the point of are they even human anymore and uh and that is all you know touched on in the books but is really not addressed in the games like in the games like once you get to that point in halo one like it is basically a more charismatic doom guy right Um, yeah it's weird not not it not being steve downs yes you know uh like i mean i didn't think it would but of course i have no visuals on this like being a podcast uh it's just the sound so i i'm hearing i'm hearing him as a master chief uh, for the first time and you know like different actors can be cast in different parts and i'm not saying that he can't you know can't do it or, or shouldn't do it uh it's just odd you know it's like uh tom holland is nathan drake odd like you're just so so attached to a certain character voice or idea of it in your head that, and it's funny because master chief, it's not a word. He's not like uh, Nolan North and uncharted where he's blasting a million words a, a second. He's, he's stoic all the way through, even with the one liners, but uh, yeah, it is, it, it is a, uh, a bit, a bit different. It is funny too, that they chose to go back to the beginning and do all that, that backstory instead of just jumping into him as being a, a cool ass customer, you know? Yeah. I mean, he is still master chief. He's the leader of the Spartans and uh, he, he still has that sort of authority that, that you, you get from the games. Like everyone looks up to him, but in, in the show, because it is pre fall of reach, the covenant is still very much this like unknown force. Um, the, the Spartans are more feared than uh, than than honored or looked up to. Like um, the show, very much starts with uh, the politics of the books, in that you have the UNSC basically as you know united humanity except for these outer colony planets, and they are rebelling. And there's a lot of talk of you know rebelling against the Marines and and fighting against the UNSC and 
there's there's a little bit of that at the beginning but it like in the books like in the games that quickly goes away as the covenant come in and basically are looking to wipe out all of humanity and right off the bat in the show you see you you said earlier it's based on a t game but like i think the show leans more into the um the m of the franchise in terms of just the the gunplay violence like the plasma weapons i don't think the game really never went this far with it but in the books like they really did describe like these plasma weapons as these very devastating weapons and you see that in the show like you see the covenant sweeping in with these plasma weapons and basically decimating an an entire rebel uh outpost and the elites that stupid pistol no well not not the i think okay well, i think there is a plasma pistol in the first episode um but it's the uh it's the elite weapon what's it i don't know what they're called but it's not the grunt weapon <laughs> where he charges it up it, yeah okay. uh, that thing's a piece of trash yeah although you know one of the spartans uses it to great effect um it's uh it's one of those things where they've so so far in the show they adapt the elites which are these very big uh, brutish uh, versions of the elites they don't appear to be as lanky as they were in the games they're kind of closer to the brutes side of it um so they are very menacing very large creatures and i and i think they do a decent job of uh, of bringing those characters to life um obviously through cg and uh, you also see the prophets, which are as gross and accurate to what they were in the game. I think in the game, weren't they like these like weird floating, you know, these aliens that sat in these chairs that had like uh, like kind of worm like heads. Do you remember the prophets? I think they were introduced in Halo 2. I I, I do remember that, like when you first get control of the Arbiter and stuff yes. like that. And it's just. I remember at that point, like, it was a lot of lore dump. Like, Halo 2 did a lot of setting up. It was the quintessential, like, they they hit it in the park with Halo 1, and they're like, oh, we can do whatever we want. They threw in all this, the prophets of truth, the prophet of this and that, and all these internal covenant politics. I, I remember when I was playing that game, I'm like, I just want to shoot stuff in the face. <laughs> yeah. Well, they definitely adapt a lot of that... Um, not shooting people in the face lore like uh there's a lot more that they bring from the games um so like i said it's it's pre-fall of reach so you get a lot of like characters that you know from the extended characters you know from the games you have uh, additional spartans you have uh dr halsley you have jacob keys you have miranda keys they're all introduced pretty early on and obviously as i said the master chief but um I'll say this, there is some weirdness. It's not all, you know, first of all, I do I do I did really enjoy the episode. I was as a as a deep fan of Halo, I was a little worried like okay, if you do straight up the games, I think you have a problem. If you delve too far away from the games, you also have a problem. But what they've done is they've taken the Halo universe, the characters, the the Covenant, all that stuff and they've crafted, I think, a story adjacent to the video games. They're calling it, like, I think, the Silver Timeline. And I think it... Obviously, we'll need to see where it goes, but I think it does a pretty good job at, like, setting up this world. It's... We don't 
we don't know why the Covenant is doing what they're doing, but they are starting to show us that side of the story. We're getting some behind the scenes. We see um, the prophets. There's like a weird human character. This is the one thing. There's a weird human character that is with the Covenant, and they don't explain it at all. So if you're a fan of the games and you see this, it's like, what is going on here? Because there was never that there was never this like weird human you know what it reminded me of it reminds me of in gears of war the queen of the locusts was human and it never really was explained until the very end but in this case there is a human that's working with the covenant and even the prophets are kind of talking to this human character as if she is sort of leading the covenant so that's a bit weird coming from the video games we're like the Covenant wanted nothing to do with humanity to the point where they were, like I said, they were trying to wipe them off the universe. So, like, it's uh, that's a little weird. It's it. Uh, we'll see how they explain that one, but um, it's it's that's very different from the games. You know, in the Silver timeline, Ryan Murphy never filled in his pool. <laughs> Great. That's not. We're not. We're recording that show later. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's a good one, though. Um, I, I'll say this about the spartans and the way they're sort of running around in their armor it does look a little weird at times i think that uh i I, i'm curious to put this out there if there is a show where you have a a bunch of characters in very bulky armor we're not talking about mandalorian where they're wearing like strategic shoulder pads or i'm talking about like full bodysuit armor you know nine foot soldiers because i think the spartans are supposed to be like immense it can look a little weird as they are moving around because there's a mixture, I think, of the actors in suits and then C- full CG. So there's some weirdness there. But like I think that The Mandalorian kind of set this bar for like shows with characters in helmets. And I think Halo doesn't quite get to that point. Like I think Mandalorian just has that great mixture of having your characters interact when they're in a helmet and it works. And I think like, because that show worked, a lot of people were kind of up in Halo's grill of like, Oh, they have to take their helmets off so they can talk because that's the only way we can kind of figure out what's going on. But I, I think that, I mean, master chief takes off his helmet in the first episode for good reason. He takes it off because that's how he's being monitored by the UNSC. So he takes it off and, but do they show his face or is it a behind it's a behind shot. No, they show his face. Um, and this is the thing. Like, I think that just because it didn't happen in the video games doesn't mean they can't they can't do it in... Do you think in the books, like, strategically, they always, like, never describe... They, they would perfectly describe his face, and people saw his face. It's just in the video games, they never showed his face. I think, like, I, I get the, the over-obsession about, like, oh, you know, not seeing his face. But... It, it it's in the video games they're trying to do something specifically they're trying to make you feel that you are master chief right he doesn't talk much cortana does the chatter he gets to do a couple of quippy one lines they try to like evolve from the the gordon freeman doom guys that don't say anything to more of a, a spoken protagonist that barely says anything but a lot it feels a little bit more realistic. Like they're trying to do that thing. They can't have you see his face because then you'll see it's not you as a game player that, that doesn't work. That's why he wears the, partly why he works the helmet, partly why you're not playing the first halo is just one of the Marines against the covenant. They have this 
the Spartan class, uh, of which I think in the original Halo, you're the only one, really, except yeah, they're all died out. They've all been killed. Uh, uh, but uh, whoa, spoilers! Well, um, that's but, in the games. Come on. No, I I know. Uh, but uh, but but I'd say for the TV show, it's different. You're trying to develop a character. You're trying to establish a character that viewers can get behind and get involved with. So I a hundred percent understand why you would have to humanize that character. And as long as they don't pull the superhero movie thing, where the character known for wearing a mask is without their mask for most of the movie for some stupid ass reason then i'm totally on board with an occasional like let's humanize this character especially like a medical scene like that to me is an exact point where you can like you know make the make you be like this person is human because if you just see the master chief as a tv character that's never in danger he's like superman he's invincible well I mean, then that's not going to make him very relatable or engaging to you uh, throughout the show. So I understand why why they made that made that choice, and I, but I also understand where fanboys who are used to playing the games and are like Master Chief never took off his helmet in the game. Just think it's a different medium, and they're trying to do different things. And I like how you're making the connection with the books because I think like in in the books, like they when they're doing something different as well. And it's more akin to what they're doing in the movie, in the TV show. And that's probably why they're inspiring themselves a little bit more from the books than maybe some of the, some of the games, the games are really trying to make him an avatar for your destruction, which they do a good job of. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think in the, in the show, so master chief is played by uh, Pablo uh, Schreiber who I was just looking on IMDb. You may know him from American Gods, Orange is the New Black, but it turns out he's actually, uh, his paternal half-brother is actor uh, Leif Shriver. So that's kind of interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is he related to Leif Shriver? Um, that's cool. Yeah. Runs in the family. <laughs> it does. So would you say would you say that, that like, in the end, Halo... Uh, the first, coming out of one episode, is this a recommend to watch? Is it wait for the whole series to come out and then go? Is it like they're going to be a lot of water cooler talk around this? Is it a seven out of ten? Like I feel like you're a you're a big Halo fan, but it sounds like you're a bit middling on it. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: as a Halo fan, I really appreciated what they did with this adaptation because again, they didn't straight up do the video game story. Like the Halo is not even referenced or mentioned. Um, my theory is that the Halo will be like the last two episodes and the final episode will end with, oh my God, we're on the Halo. And which would be like this season, I think is the search for Halo. I think that's what's happening here. And uh, that I'm fine with that because, you know, having, doing Halo is, a, that's a lot of effects. But um, I think it's a good adaptation of some really wonky material and some really light characters uh, that they've they've adapted really well, and um, I think because it's on Paramount Plus, you have a few options. I think for for me, I as someone who who wanted to watch this right away, um, I redeemed the thirty uh, day free trial that was part of Game Pass right now for Paramount Plus. So if you're a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, you get thirty days uh, just by activating on your Xbox or PC Game Pass app. I think so. That's an option. But really, like, if you wanted to subscribe to Paramount Plus for a month, with I think is like six bucks Canadian a month, it wouldn't hurt to wait until like queue it up so like all the episodes will be live by the time 
you your subscription ends um so maybe wait like a month and then add it i don't think you're going to be this is not a game of thrones this is not a walking well earlier seasons of the walking dead or breaking bad where like you have to watch it or else spoilers right like i would put it in line with uh um like some of the marvel shows that have happened like you know moon knight came out today uh, I, no one's been really like that's not being spoiled on twitter and i think I think Halo is in the same vein. Like, I don't think Halo is being spoiled on Twitter because it's just a show you can you can watch, and it's not like permeating your Twitter timeline to the degree that you have to mute um, hashtags. Like Mandalorian, even the Book of Boba Fett, I had to mute it mute it on Twitter so I wouldn't be spoiled. We're not at that level with Halo, and I think that's fine. Not every show needs to be a panic attack waiting to happen every time you open Twitter. You know. Um, so I really liked it. I liked it. It's it's a solid adaptation. Like there's some wonky character bits. There's some deviations from the material that I'm sure is just, you know, just a bit of a sidetrack and they'll get back to like the halo of Halo. You know, I think once the covenant threat becomes more apparent to and what they're up to, like I think you will get closer to where the games are at in terms of characters working together like there is still this comp like human on human conflict which isn't really present in the games because we're dealing with the covenant um so there is that bit but like master chief's cool he's running around he's the action's pretty great like uh the first 15 minutes is uh is like a squad of elites going up against four spartans and it's a pretty pretty good action sequence so yeah it's it's there nice um like most importantly does uh beyonce sing the opening song no i think it's just the halo well here i think i have it here just wait uh where is it i, I played halo. this no no it's not this is it right here it's more like bombastic you know and uh i think they also have this bit here let's see if i can fast forward it Here it is. It's quiet. There it is. Oh, there it is. Gregorian yeah, chant. Yeah. So that's in there too. They they have See, all of I, that. Yeah. Okay. The Gregorian chant, and uh, you know, I feel like they gotta they gotta have that. Uh, so no, great, great. That's a good uh, got got me interested in the the Halo TV series, Ryan. Um, and because I'm on your show. Uh, I was thinking like, well, what's, you know, what game should I talk about in the gamers in? And uh, Bo recently was on my old podcasting buddy from Good, Bad or Bullshit. Oh, you know Bo. Uh, <laughs> very funny, Ryan. Um, <laughs> but uh, Bo, Bo, Bo uh, and I have been playing a game together called Valheim. Um, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit on the gamers in. I I know Bo was on recently to talk about Elden Ring. I'm also playing a ton of Elden Ring. Um, I, I haven't because I've been away on vacation, but last night I played more Valheim with Bo and Mike. Um, and, uh, that game's been out for about a year now. It's still in what is considered early access. Um, I, I just, you know, Dungeons and Diapers listeners will know they've probably heard me talk about this, uh, but it is the latest and possibly greatest of our series of what I would call pandemic games that we use to hang out virtually 
um, uh, and uh, we have just started paying for a dedicated server, which is uh, like just to put in context, it's one of those games where somebody has to host it. So if that person isn't playing, then the game world doesn't exist, right? And so um, you can pay to have like a virtual server hosted uh, so that you can log in anytime, like an MMO almost. Um, and so we just we just started doing that, and it's very it's very uh, it's very fun to be able to, to to do that and to just hop in because there's a lot of like errands in Valheim. So what is this game? It's like it's sort of like a it's Viking themed, and it has like a bit of a voxel video uh, um, artistic style, which I find looks really great. Honestly, it's it's a really neat style. And it's uh, essentially you're dropped off in some sort of like afterlife world, Viking Midgar type type world, and you have to kill these uh, bosses. And there's like um, one per like area, and there's about five major areas in the game so far, which doesn't sound like a ton, but like it's not like you just walk up to the boss and kill them. It's like a survival game where you build stuff, you gather resources, you can you know maybe level up your guy a bit, you build up on your gear, and then you go and you fight the boss. And if you die at any point, you have to go back and do the corpse run and recover your stuff. But unlike Elden Ring and all these other games, if you die a second time while recovering your stuff, you don't lose like you don't lose all your 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 things. In fact. You actually, when you die, um, have a time where you do get penalized a bit on your stats when you die, and you they, they give you sort of a forgiveness uh, grace period. If so, for the next you know 15, 20 minutes, if you die again, you're not going to get re-penalized. All this to say, it's like it's a building, crafting, fighting, exploring game, and the world is procedurally generated. There's all these different biomes, um, and you you uh, can you know build like a Viking lair and and get all these resources. And it's very much in the way that Elden Ring is um, like obtuse, like. So you, it's guide friendly in the sense that they give you some help. There's this crow that gives you tips and tutorial tips. It's a little bit of, but mostly you will find things as you go. And when you find things, you unlock new recipes. Um, you know, oh, I found a carrot seed. That means I'm going to be able to grow carrots in my garden, which means I'm going to be able to make X amounts of foods which are going to boost boost my health or whatever i can't go into the mountain cold area until i have frost potions i can't go into the swamp until i have poison potion poison resist potions how do i develop them i need to do this and that a lot of this would not appeal to me generally it's not my jam but playing it with friends is so great you see everybody's different personality style like my friend mike is a builder he loves building stuff i'm like the explorer um, fighter dude, uh, Bo is sort of like in between, but often like food prep and gathering stuff for that. So like we're off often, like it's divided into days. You don't want to be out at night and we'll be off doing our errands and chatting together and then coming back and building things and then going out on adventures and furthering it. And anyway, like for like a $25 early access game on steam, I cannot say enough good things. I put like well over a hundred hours and I'm the one who's put in the least amount of time of the three of us um, so far. So anyway, Valheim uh, it's really like, it benefits like Bo kind of held up my hand through the intro and it really benefits if you have a friend to do that, like to go in and play multiplayer day one, you can easily play single player, but having somebody say like, Hey, this is what you got to do. This is the first thing you got to do. And like that, it, 
it's much more helpful and much more fun and made it much more uh, pain free. So if you can do that, or even just go in with a couple of couple of your friends and exist in the same world and, and do the things together, it mixes what's great about an MMO with an actual world that you can build and forge and and shape um, and explore. It's so huge the environment, um, so uh, so interesting. So you know, absolutely fantastic, fantastic game. They just did an update for it for the one year anniversary, uh, adding frost caves to the biome that we are now exploring which are mountains so it goes you start in the the plant in the meadows which are nice and more peaceful low lower level enemies and different things and then there's the black forest you spend a lot of time in uh, and then and then there's the swamp and then the mountains and the plains are the next one that we're building towards but uh, they just added the frost caves to the to the um to the mountains. And yeah, I would say like, if you're looking for something a bit different, if you want like something along the lines of the obtuseness of Elden Ring, that the feeling of exploration, um, the feeling of collaboration, like, I mean, Valheim is an awesome game. I really highly recommend it. That's really cool. Um, I have a quick question that's kind of popped in my head. You mentioned that you have rented a, a private server or purchased, I, I'm sure you're renting it. Um, is that something offered through the developers or is that something that, how does that work? Uh, it's not, uh, uh, you know what? I'm, I don't want to speak at a turn. Bo took care of it. Um, <laughs> so, so I kind of uh, figured, I was just curious if you do, uh, yeah. but no, Bo and Mike are, are, are the ones that are like more hardcore onto the building stuff. It is a joke. They call me like a murder hobo. Cause I just go in and I'm like, what are we going to kill now or explore? And, uh, they're, they built this new mountain cabin or some, some new creation or whatever. But uh, so they wanted more time to build. Cause when I'm on there, I'm trying to push to the next boss, the next objective. And they want to, you know, marinate in the experience, if you will. Um, so no, I, I think that it's enabled by the developer and it's very easy to do in the main menu to join one. Like you, uh, you, you know, you could join a game that's in progress or then there's like join with IP or whatever. And you click on that and you just have to put it in once. It'll always remember it. Um, and, uh, and I do think that it is through the developer. I, I I'm not a hundred percent confident on that, but it both stressed many times that it is quite, it was more simple to do than he thought that it, it, it would be. Um, and I mean, I guess there's nothing, if you had two computers to stop you from just running a server in your, a dedicated server in your own house on one of the computers. But I mean, that's a pain, um. Uh, and so, uh, and honestly, like we only started doing that recently because they were really jonesing. Uh, but, uh, but I would say that we, we got through a big chunk of the game where we would just play like on Saturday nights, maybe one weekday night a week, uh, we would, we would get going and we've been doing this for a while and yeah, it's just a, it's just a great game pictures. The screenshots I find almost don't do it justice. Cause even though it, it uses this voxel style, like the lighting and the music and everything, it just creates a package of that. You want to exist in this world and you want to explore this world. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, just really great. Cannot say enough good things. Yeah. There's a lot to, uh, like just even checking out the, the steam page. And I think, like just looking at the way the videos are set up and I love that from afar when you're when you're looking at these videos and you're and you're seeing these screenshots it does look like a fully 3D 
normal, I don't want to say normal, but like more of a traditional 3D video game. But you're right, like once you do get into, you know, closer detail, you do recognize it is more of a, a voxel feel. And that's it's all that's I always love that about its art style and how from afar it looks like just like a really nice looking, you know, sort of God of War style third person action adventure game. But when you get up close, you do recognize that everything's sort of made of these these voxels and uh yeah it's a it's a game i've always had an interest in and you're you're so right for like 23 dollars canadian it's gone on sale a couple times it's such a it's so it's such a low price to entry and i and i wonder like that this is immediately my solo track you know play at my own pace style questioning here but i look at it and like for 20 bucks like i wonder is it something you could do you just play on your own as like a maybe not solely on your own but experience it on your own and kind of get your feet wet before jumping in with friends or that's what Bo did before and he sold this on it and he played a big chunk of time of it by himself and i i will say that it is i you know i even uh and definitely mike did uh flirted with the idea of starting our own single player uh experiences and that we could you know manage at our own pace and stuff i it's very much uh a a single player friendly experience but it really does feel like it shines in multiplayer because there's that hangout aspect and everything goes faster because there is like a weird type of grinding to it but it it's like you know chore but bo coined that term chore core and it, it and it does feel like it does have that element of like, okay, we got to mine, we got to mine, mine copper from the black forest, but we can only carry so much of it. And it'll be really slow once we find a copper node. So we got to, we got to bring a cart, but to get the cart there, we need to kind of build the road. And so like, it just becomes like, okay, what did you do today? Oh, I worked on, I'm building the road towards the black forest. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to go harvest blueberries, you know, uh, like there's, there. everybody has their own kind of like job and thing. And if you're one player doing all those things, like it, it, think about it, like one of those RPG or those strategies games where you're managing pe- resources and you assign a person a task or another person a task. Or, um, it, it's just like everything is faster if you have more people. And I'm not sure I would have the patience to do it all myself, but Bo clearly did. Um, and so uh, he he built a big world and, you know, uh, we've now passed where, where he is in it. But we've been playing this game for months and we're still not at the, the last biome. And they are going to eventually add, um, you know, other, other biomes. And even when we get to the last area and fully like explore it. I think, you know, you unlock these new recipes that allow you to build new things. And I can just see Mike and Bo building like giant forest palaces for, for months still. Um, so definitely uh, depending on what your persuasion is, you're going to have more interested in like your gamer stripe. Like Ryan, I, I, like I think knowing you and, and, and also the, the fact that you got to keep up with the Joneses for gamers in, I don't know, like, really, if I could, like, if you were in there with a couple of friends and starting out and building something, maybe, but we've turned it into, like, our weekly hangout commitment thing, and, um, you know, I'm not sure you'd be in a position to be, like, every Saturday night, I'm devoting to playing Valheim, you know, Uh, but if you are in that position, then it's a really great time. 
Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's definitely one of those experiences that I would check out, jump in. I mean, it feels very close to Minecraft when some friends of mine were like, oh, you got to jump into Minecraft. And and I appreciate that people love Minecraft. And we have a story not about Minecraft, but about Fortnite. Same deal. Like, I appreciate that that game exists. I enjoyed my time, my minimal time with it. Uh, I just, I don't have the... I wouldn't even call it attention span. You're absolutely right. It's not even keeping up with the Joneses. It's just I like to play all kinds of different games. And the idea of spending my very limited time uh, enjoying one game as opposed to multiple games is it's always been tough for me. And I've been getting better at it. But it's that getting better at it has been more like focusing on one or two uh, experiences as opposed to being like, you know, I'm going to spend half my time constantly playing one game and the other half checking out all the other stuff. So I've, you know, like World of Warcraft was a game I jumped back into on occasion. I haven't touched it in years and, and that is completely fine by me. And, you know, there's been other other sort of world of world of war. I don't know. I've heard of this one. Is yeah. it an indie? Mm, well, maybe like 10 years ago, but uh, no, not anymore. Uh, it is it is a well-known MMO. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just, yeah, I, I can, I think Valheim is one of those games that I, I appreciate from afar and it is honestly one of those titles where I'm happy to jump in and, and watch, um, you guys play it on Twitch. Cause I know you've, uh, you've streamed it before, so we will, uh, we'll see how that goes, but, uh, that is going to do it for the video games. I want to thank all of our patrons. Thank you so much for being patrons of the gamers in patreon.com slash the gamers in just like wicked kitten did thank you so much wicked kitten for becoming our march patron and as you all know march is slowly monica yeah monica it's me, Crofton. <laughs> yeah. i'm on the show it's true yeah it, i she if she was listening she's listening so she would have heard you at the top of the show but uh yes crofton is here wicked kitten um, but yeah, for April, we've also got, uh, Will G. So thank you, Will G for being a patron. And as Jocelyn said last week, lots of new patrons over the last couple of weeks. So we really appreciate everyone's support. And as a little, you know, teaser for patrons, there will be an email going out for a fun event we're planning for April. So stay tuned. Patrons are getting a heads up and, uh, we'll have more details next week. So look forward to that. Crofton, let's talk about some news, which includes the all-new PlayStation Plus, which is launching in June. And I know, Crofton, that you had a blast signing up for PlayStation Plus late last year for our <laughs> Avengers event. Uh, does this excite you? Does it excite you that PlayStation Plus is offering three tiers now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um... I, I have not been a PlayStation Plus subscriber, and, and that has mainly been because I don't play multiplayer PlayStation games. Um, I'd be, you know, I, I'm the quintessential, I guess, tr uh, single player PlayStation gamer. I buy the, the tentpole God of Wars, Last of Us, I play them. I don't see any need for the, the, the games that they, they dole out. On on, on um, PlayStation Plus, my problem is lack of time, not necessarily lack of money. So I, you know, I've ne I've never really been a regular PlayStation Plus subscriber. I understand if you were into Call of Duty on PlayStation, of course, you need it to be able to play those games. Um, I I bought an Xbox Series X 
last year and I, I now um, I have the, the PS4 still, the Xbox Series X. In terms of uh, Game Pass, I have Xbox uh, Live and the Ultimate package or whatever uh, for the next way, uh, foreseeable future. Thanks to Ryan finding me a real sweet deal uh, uh, when I when I signed up. And, uh, and so I think that, and that's, you know, I obviously get great mileage out of Game Pass, but not even to the extent that I could. There's so much on there. Uh, so when I see all new PlayStation Plus, everybody's talking about, like, is this a competitor to Game Pass? And I think, like, looking at their tiers and looking at the system, it's obviously, you know, very complicated, uh, like, or, or, you know, I think that we can figure it out. But, like, definitely, I sympathize with moms in going to Best Buy's trying to buy cards for their kids to be like, okay, which one is it? The one they wanted, you know, uh, it's going to be going to be challenging. And I also like, I'm confused by a lot of the strategies surrounding it in the sense that I know they gave a lot of PS4 games as part of this PS4 collection to, to, to PS5 owners when they joined. And like, I, I know that there's a series of premier PS4 games, but there's only like so many of those. Um, but at the same time, this feels like the most that they possibly could have done. Like that top tier, aside from the elephant in the room being day one new P PlayStation Studios games, which was a line that they weren't willing to cross to, to, to preserve the prestige of them. Um, I mean, I think they gave as good as that they could. That said, I would, I would have done, I would have made it maybe a bit cheaper, uh, based on not going with the day one releases, but you know, such, such is the life of a giant capitalist company. Uh, what is, uh, what is your thoughts there, Ryan? Are you, are you excited about this? Well, uh, here, here's basically the tears before I, I, I do obviously have opinions, uh, but the tiers are interesting. I, I agree with you in that um, I was kind of comparing oh, the price. Ryan? What? This episode should be called Tears for Fears. Ooh. And it should be like, and it should be like the tears. Anyway, keep going. You should write that in the notes while I, while I go through the, the okay. lovely bullet points here. I will too. Um, okay. You do that. Uh, the notes, everybody. Um, so you got PlayStation Plus Essential, which is it, which is exactly what they have right now for PlayStation Plus, which is um, two monthly downloadable games, exclusive discounts, cloud storage, and online multiplayer access. The price is not changing from what's currently offered now, and we're going to do U.S. prices. I know it's going to confuse myself and Crofton, and but you know a majority of the listeners are from the U.S. You've got uh, ten dollars a month. To be fair, I was confused already. Go ahead. That's, I mean, hey, these tiers are, again, like, as I go through these, it's always, Game Pass has become the the sort of subscription for video games. And I know I get kind of poke fun at for bringing up Game Pass a lot. I do enjoy Game Pass. Um, it, it, it basically fuels the gamers in on my side these days, but... It is it, it it is that for for good reason, and I know there have been uh, criticisms of Game Pass and uh, as well in terms of you know just uh, the sheer value of of Game Pass and how that may be impacting how people look at video games in terms of like well if it's not on Game Pass I'm not going to play it. But I think there are both pros and cons to the whole thing as there as there is with with any video game uh, monetization structure, but. When it comes to PlayStation Plus, you've got uh, $10 a month, $25 quarterly, or $60 yearly. That's the PlayStation Plus that we ha have right now. 
Then it bumps up to PlayStation Plus Extra, which is sort of a combination. I don't know. I think this is separate from the PlayStation Now. So it provides all the essential tier benefits, but also adds a catalog of up to 400 of the most. Uh, this is marketing speak. I, I'm reading it and I was <laughs> I caught myself. 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including blockbuster hits from our PlayStation Studios catalog. Uh, but again, these are not day one releases. These are a curated list, uh, similar to what's already available on PlayStation Now. Um, this tier is downloadable for play only. That's key. And the prices are going to be basically 15 bucks a month, $40 quarterly, or $100 yearly. And so about, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, uh, it's starting to get a little more expensive here. And then you look at PlayStation plus premium, which is the new high tier. And that is basically the sandwiching together of PlayStation plus and PlayStation now, which is their streaming slash download service. But I think the additional here, the additional ad is also classic games PS3 games available via cloud streaming and download options for original uh, PlayStation, PS2, and PSP games, uh, also including the, the ability to stream your PS4 and PS5 games, um, or uh, no, they can stream the games. You, this is very confusing. Um, Did you get all that, Kevin's mom? Yeah, see, that, and that is too, too true. I think what's, what's going to be clear here, and I think it's clear in the marketing, is is because they launched with PlayStation Plus, the fact that they have to add additional words onto the end of it makes it super confusing for, I think, everyone, really. Like, this is... Uh, it's it's a struggle, for sure. And at least, at least they used a new name for the whole thing. Mm. Oh, wait, it's the exact same name as the thing that existed previously, and some of it will be the same, but some of it will be different. Like, no, I, look... The the other thing, Ryan, I, I will say, and I know you have thoughts on this. You were just going through your the 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 Sony breakdown of it all, but I I will say that like it is um, just re reaffirmation that we live in a uh, streaming world, right? And that all these big companies need uh, some sort of streaming service that get 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 us subscribed onto and such. What I feel. I guess kind of good about this one is that I don't, as I mentioned previously, I do not have a PS plus uh, subscription and I hear this and I'm like, I still don't need one. You know, like I, I, you know, if you have uh, as many of us do two consoles, if you have game pass, you likely don't need, because you're probably going to be buying those triple A's at launch. Like when God of War Ragnarok or whatever comes out or horizon Forbidden West, you're going to be buying those games. You're not waiting for them to hit the Sony streaming service. So if you're buying those games anyway, I can continue to do that, buy those games when they come out, have my game pass on the other console and not, and, and not really miss out on, uh, on anything. So I am, I am curious if like what, what that's going to mean for their subscription numbers. So what we will see, cause there's probably a lot of folks like me that'll be like, I, you know, why I, I bought demon soul remake day one on, on, uh, on um, PS five. And it I, why do I need PS plus for that? I'm just going to, I'm going to play it solo. And when the next triple a comes out, I'll buy it. And you the PS five becomes your triple a, 
um, prestige titles that you're paying 80 bucks Canadian or whatever for. And the Xbox is where you're playing literally everything else on Game Pass, you know? Yeah. And there are a lot of indie games coming day and date on Game Pass. And here's the thing. The, the final pricing for the plus premium tier, which includes the streaming of classic games, the downloading of PS4 and PS5 games, and the PlayStation Plus we know and sometimes use, uh, is $18 a month American, $50 quarterly, and $120 yearly. And I think those, I haven't done the math on all of it, but if you look at strict just monthly uh, charges, you've got Ultimate, Game Pass Ultimate being 15 bucks a month American. Um, that includes Gold, EA Play, Streaming, PC Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass, and Elephant in the Room, new Xbox games, day and day with launch. I mean, it's... There's a lot of you're going to read a lot of uh, interviews out there where, you know, Sony is talking about how day and date just does not work for their business model. And that's that is 100 percent fine. I'm fine with that. Um, I think it's just you. I agree with you. I would have thought this PlayStation Plus offering would be a little less expensive. Without that, though, Ryan, they're never going to without the day ones, they're never going to grow subscribers like Xbox when they decided to make Halo and Forza day ones, they are they were taking a mega they're taking a mega risk. They're saying like we are full in on this. Where Sony is definitely not saying that. They're 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 like lukewarm. They're not jumping into the streaming world. They're like sticking their toe in it and being like, oh, is it? and that's what they did with PlayStation Network or or, or sorry PS Now. Um, uh, and, and some of their other things. And I feel like this is just the next evolution of them not sticking their full foot in the water. And that's fine. You can do that. There will be people who subscribe, but they're not going to get the big subscriber numbers that they need to make this a continual success because people will, um, will, will still be like, you know, mostly buying their $80 games. I say that with the one caveat, which is that PlayStation was the winner last gen, uh, it is the one that while Xbox has really swung that pendulum so far this gen, um, the PS fives are still the hot commodity. They're selling um, a ton. So like you have a lot of people with PS fives, then, you know, you're probably just by default going to get a lot of subscribers. But that said, I, I do think that they would behoove themselves to commit fully to a business model, either go the $80. This is you buy games from us route uh, or, go old school there's people that will appreciate that or go new school but like trying to divide up your space i, I just feel it's not a, a long-term success strategy yeah this is feeling to me ryan already like the ps3 generation for sony um and mm. which is where 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 they started coming off the ps2 really hot people wanted ps3s and then the wheels started falling off and i think that you know, there's a much bigger video game market now, but seeing Xbox uh, where it is and seeing Sony where it is and seeing these big business decisions. And I understand that they have tighter pockets, right? They're not like Microsoft just bought the world. Um, like they can afford to do it. Sony's charging these things because they got it to a certain extent to make margins. I get that. Um and to be obviously a capitalist super company. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just think that they, 
if they committed, if they're like, we're going full on streaming now, you 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 now have Sony Ultimate, and Sony Ultimate means that you get you know new Ragnarok, uh, God of War Ragnarok day one, blah blah blah. Well, wow, watch your subscribers shoot out, right? Yeah. So anyway. well, a, a couple things, you know. First of all, for all those uh, who did the math at the start of the segment, as opposed to me who just did the math, um, the way that the pricing does work out if you subscribe yearly is much less expensive than game pass monthly um game pass being 15 bucks a month as opposed to which works out to be about 180 dollars a year the top tier playstation plus at the yearly rate is 60 dollars cheaper so it it if depending on how you subscribe to things and oh. and how you like to do that it does end up being no, no, no. less expensive that can't be right you're saying it's 60 dollars cheaper a year yes if if you subscribe at the yearly rate, which is one hundred and twenty dollars a year for PlayStation Plus Premium, okay. So oh, I see they have what you're a saying. they have a a discount system which Microsoft technically doesn't have unless you're buying gold. Although there is the ultimate upgrade, I wouldn't even call it hack, but it's the way they it's the way they upgrade your subscription based on the value of gold they do a one-to-one upgrade as opposed to uh, a value upgrade so i think there is still that way to get it like much much less expensive but eventually they will they will tighten that segment up and the other thing too is like i love game pass i i really do but it should be noted you've never mentioned that on this show before <laughs> it's like a weekly segment um but it should be noted that when you look at oh yeah xbox is doing day one releases amazing amazing stuff but when you compare the type of releases from xbox to playstation there is a discrepancy i think there is a huge difference between what came out in february with horizon forbidden west and what came out from xbox in february which is not a game like there there hasn't been a game for xbox since halo i think that has to be acknowledged that the last big day one release for game pass was halo infinite at the start of december and what's on the horizon for xbox i think it's the next big day one release is i guess starfield or am i missing one I mean, Redfall, maybe? When does that come out? I don't even think that has a release date. Yeah. I mean, it depends. I guess I understand. It depends how you define triple A, right? Of course. Uh, like, like, because for me, I was going to, as soon as the reviews came in, like 10 on 10, 9 on 10 for Tunic, I was like, man, that game is got, I know it's like more of an indie sensibility, but I was going to buy that game if it was not on Game Pass. I'm like, oh, it's on Game Pass? It's like I instantly got it for free. I know that's not how it works. It's just how your brain processes it. And like I held out on buying Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, and then it was recently added to Game Pass. I know it's not a day one release, but it it it, it has that same like, oh, wow. Uh, I got this huge triple triple A thing. And the ones that aren't date one releases, like I almost bought Mass Effect Legendary Edition last year. 
I did not. And now it's on game. It's on game pass. So like, I mean, I, the, there's the day one releases and I guess for lack of a better term, the day 1.5 releases, the ones that are like big releases. And then like three, four months later, you get them on game pass. Um, sort of like the movies to DVD or movies to Blu-ray um, a, a feeling. And so, I mean, I get it. Like Halo, they had the one-two punch of, of Forza and Halo over the holidays. And it's, it, you know, it's been quiet. Uh, it's been quiet since. And like I just mentioned, I been playing a bunch of Elden Ring. I paid for Elden Ring on Xbox Series X. Like I bought a game. It was the first game I ever bought since I bought the Series X. Uh, I've only been on Game Pass uh, up until that point, and I have so many games on it. And one other thing, just selling Game Pass further, <laughs> is is it like if you have kids or stuff that are playing different things than you, like that's where it's like, yeah, I'm playing Elden Ring right now, so I'm not using Game Pass, but my daughter is playing like Dragon Quest Builders on game pass uh and has put a ton of time into it and then you know we'll be playing another game and then there was the paw patrol whatever game on game pass and we played it for five minutes and maybe i would have spent 40 bucks on that in the past uh but uh but we were able to just quickly download it realize it was trash and move on you know um so so i mean there there's a there's a lot of of benefit to that and i'm not saying that the new sony model won't have a lot of that and if you only have a sony console and you don't have like i'm speaking from a position of privilege of having you know potentially two consoles in both if you only have a sony console then maybe yes the 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 top the top premier thing is a good it's a good deal for you and i wouldn't behoove you that yeah and i mean here's the other thing too i think sony or the playstation division is very good at making deals. I mean, they were able to negotiate or likely pay for um, a console exclusivity for two Bethesda games, right? Um, there, I don't. I have faith that Sony can make great deals when it comes to games, and like there are now two tiers of this subscription that can tap into the, as you said, the one point five or the post-launch window release of games like um, Returnal. Returnal is a great example, which is a game that came out uh, last spring and is going to be included in this subscription uh, for the uh, Plus Extra and Plus Premium tiers, right? And that is a PS5 exclusive experience. So I think that that's where PlayStation can be competitive with Game Pass is with those post-launch window additions to the subscription. They have completely shut down being competitive on the day one releases. I think that's fine. And uh, another correction will likely come in is is people will will mention that uh, at least here in Canada, like I I think PlayStation Five exclusives are ninety dollars, so it's even more expensive to be a day one purchaser of PlayStation experiences. Like it is a very, it's, it's probably the most premium you can get when it comes to just dropping money on video games. And, and, and that isn't just talking about like the quality of the games. Like look at Gran Turismo seven right now. It's, it's, it's having a rough go in the review section, I think. And that is a $90 release. Like it's nothing, not, not everything PlayStation puts out is is pure gold, but I think that they have their business model, and you're right, like they they have margins to hit. But I think where they can be really strategic and um, make some great deals is focusing in on that 
two two higher tier subscriptions and what games they add to those if they are just adding like you know two plus year old games like they did with the playstation plus collection um i don't think that's gonna that's gonna bring a lot of people over but i think these additions as you said for the subscriptions are, are probably more focused on you know single console users who who only have the playstation platform and that's likely where they're going to see some upgrades i don't think this is specifically for you and i but um what is for you and i is likely the sequel to breath of the wild but we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer it has been officially delayed to spring 2023 how do you feel about that uh i mean it sucks like i I, in the sense that um for a long time, Breath of the Wild was one of those games that I had not finished. Like I had, I had played it um, uh, on Wii U. Like I had it, I had a Wii U, and I had that version, and I got really, really far in it. And I, it, I fell off. I think I switched to another game, um, and then I went back and I played with my daughter, with I, which I recounted on Dungeons and Diapers again. A fantastic show, um, and. Uh, and it was just like such an awesome game to play with her. The spirit of adventure, everything about it, so great. Uh, and, and we played all of the DLC as well, all of which fantastic. Like just played it to the bone. And I was, it was funny at the time. I was like, oh man, I got to finish Breath of the Wild before Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. Uh, and now that seems humorous in retrospect, um, seeing seeing it get delayed. Uh, but at the same time, I can't say I'm overly surprised. It, it stays in line with other Nintendo delays. It makes me really curious. Like the Switch launch with Breath of the Wild, um, it's getting a bit long in the tooth as a console. I love the Switch. Uh, this trip I just came back from reinforced it. Like the portability that I never used before really just reinforces it as like one of the best consoles I've I've ever had. Um, and so I just wonder if the sequel being delayed is is going to like they're going to reveal like maybe the eventual Switch Pro, Switch 4K, Switch 2. I you know I I don't know or maybe it'll just be a game for the Switch. I'd be happy with that as well. I'd say that I'm really be really disappointed, but Elden Ring snuck up on me this year. I wasn't really chomping at the bit for it like some folks and and as i've been playing it it does share some major sensibilities to breath of the wild it's the first game that really feels like a spiritual successor or spiritually inspired by that game and so you know to play elden ring and to like squeeze all the juice out of that lemon and in the same year play breath of the wild too i i think having that space will allow it to breathe better and for me to feel like another one of those explore everything adventures again so i'm not too broken up with it being put off and it, it makes perfect sense i'd rather a really good um good quality game uh next year how about you how you feeling yeah i'm 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 happy to wait. I, I think this goes back to uh, an earlier conversation we had on the show about just coming around on being more patient with video games. And I find whenever I try to rush through a video game, I end up enjoying it less. And I think that when I when I think about wanting to play the sequel to Breath of the Wild, I'm like, take your time, find a play it when it's ready. I'm in no rush. I think like once we get the, this is the release date, we're not changing it. It's happening. I'll be like, okay, give it to me now. But I'm, I'm fine to wait. There's so many games out right now. 
I'm still working my way through Horizon. Uh, you know, I've got Guardians. I've got uh, lots of stuff to play. And there's no shortage of games that are going to be coming out throughout the rest of the year. So I, I almost feel like this is a relief for other games. Because I, I think whenever Breath of the Wild was going to come out, it was going to eat up a good chunk of the release window. And I think my favorite tweet I saw was... Um, something like uh, after the uh, delay it was something like breath of the wild 2 announces elden ring as game of the year for 2022 or something like that and uh <laughs> i thought yeah i mean you know this game was likely to come out in the fall slash winter it was going to take over a lot of you know critics you know uh uh game space and just take over the conversation of video games and it was likely to make a lot of lists i mean it came out in march when it came out and it still made tons of lists so, yeah, I I think it's fine for it to release next year. Uh, the the first one came out in March. I think we can happily wait for this to come out in March. I also think that Nintendo has a, a pretty solid calendar this year of money makers. Like I know they have a, they've got like a, a heavy Pokemon year, uh, and uh, um, I I think you know like for them that they'll be they probably felt like oh, okay we're we're okay to push this as well i'm actually not sure like i know zelda is a money maker for them but i i don't think it's as much money as i sometimes think think that it is in my mind like i think it's more like a prestige title for them uh you know it's not making mario kart money or animal crossing money i don't think um but uh anyway um a very very interesting that it was uh, that it was delayed. And Ryan, we didn't talk about the biggest switch news uh, of the week. They they're adding folders. <laughs> yes, they did. They added folders. Uh, you know, here's the thing: they didn't actually change the UI very much. They just changed the all software menu. It adds folders to the top. So the, I thought the folders would like you could pin them to the home screen you have to still go to the all software menu. So it's by no means a perfect implementation of folders, but yeah, there are folders now. So <laughs> I will say that, that I, you know, when the switch launched and people were and the, all the sites were reviewing the switch, they were like, look, this system is great and stuff, but uh, it's got a really minimalistic UI that needs updating. And the store is a disaster. You can't find anything, but we're sure they're going to fix that. And they are a zero for two <laughs> because they have done neither of those things. It's pretty much like barely being tweaked or touched both the store where you can literally only find the things that are kind of like on sale or like you have to know what you're searching for. The top 10 most sold things. It's really like a, a clunky clunky. I love the switch, but like, man, Nintendo could do better with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you think about, so this was news that kind of broke a couple weeks ago that Fortnite was, uh, going to be getting a more of a test mode for, uh, no build mode, um, where you could just, it was just the battle royale. There was no building and they've now announced that there is a new mode called Fortnite zero build, which is a permanent mode with no building. And I, I for one have never used the, oh, because there's building, I'm crap at Fortnite. I've I've never used that excuse. I've just I'm terrible at Fortnite. You know, even if there is no building, I'm probably still bad at Fortnite. Um, but I feel like this is this is a good addition, and I'm surprised it took this long. Like I, I always felt like the building was obviously the 
the portion of it that made it different from other battle royales but like it just seemed like maybe they wanted to keep it around long enough where if they did make an option it would just make the other mode non-existent i don't know it's just it's kind of weird that it's taken this long but it also kind of makes sense to me like i wonder is this is this going to make you want to jump back into fortnite well, here's the, here's the thing, Ryan, and like I feel bad on this one. Like maybe Jocelyn would be able to add more than I. I do, I've never played Fortnite, and it's not because I have anything against Fortnite per se. It just never resonated with me. I had played PUBG at launch when it was a sensation, and I was kind of through my battle royale phase, and then Fortnite had pretty much stolen the idea. It was becoming a sensation with their their battle royale mode. Uh, I watched a couple of Twitch videos of people like building towers like extremely fast and it looked really <laughs> it looked really very stressful and just yes. different things. Then there's all these downloads of Marvel superheroes. It was hard for me to follow. I know that there's this big story and they'd have these big events and it's a whole world in of itself. And then somewhere along the line, it really got associated rightly or wrongly with like teens and kids, you know, kids to a certain extent, a lot of them playing it i just for me i never it it never grabbed me it never was something that that, but that said like it's still one of the most popular games in the world and i i don't begrudge it that that popularity or fame um the fact that there would be a mode that has less building in it i mean for a guy like me would definitely be appealing uh and make it more simpler for my slow old man reflexes um but uh, but aside from that i is it enough to make me pick up and try fortnite not in a world where there's so many games that exist that you know uh, i i i think it it won't it won't bring me in but maybe it might like somebody who tried the game and felt like, man, I hate these jacked up builder bunnies or whatever they're called. I would like to, um, I would like a more, you know, like shooter, shooter game. Like maybe, maybe uh, it would like, have you played much Fortnite yourself? No, I've, I've dabbled with it. I think it's, it's um, similar to Valheim. It's one of those games that I, I am, I'm happy exists. It's great that people enjoy it. Um, I've never been a huge battle royale fan but i i figured it this is pretty big news so it's one worth uh looking at i i you know what i love about fortnite i love seeing all of because the, they do such a great job at adapting um other franchises into their look and feel and their style they do such a great job of doing that so oftentimes fortnite will pop into this show as well as uh, zombies Ate my podcast where they're adapting just really different uh franchises but in this case it is a brand new mode and um yeah like i said i'm i'm terrible at shooting games so uh i think removing building is is likely not to make me any better at the game but um it's out there for folks that are interested look forward to uh to jumping back into fortnite uh you can also play as dr strange now so uh in theaters soon uh but there you go if you want to discuss this and more news, you can go to our Discord, bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can email the show, info at gamersinpodcast.com. Crofton, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Hey, thank you, Ryan. It was an honor. 500, that's a big number. Yep. So, I mean, sorry, I, I, I'm just going with my prepared remarks here. I, I really did think it was the, the 500th episode, but uh, it was still very pleasurable to to be here please have me back yeah we'll bring you back in for episode 610 uh look forward to that in two years so there you go we did it yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Crofton, where can the, besides Dungeon and Diapers, which is a podcast you and I do, is there anywhere else people can find you on the internet? Yeah, they can follow, follow me on Twitter at Crofton Steers, one word. Uh, and uh, if they uh, if they so choose, they can also uh, subscribe and enjoy Dungeons and Diapers, which is a show I do with Ryan. It actually has its own Twitter handle as well, at DNDCast uh, on, on Twitter. And uh, you can find out when all the, the new episodes uh, drop. And I do, uh, before leaving, have to say, give a, a huge shout out to your TGI discord. I popped in there a few times and just, uh, tons of people, uh, engaging and, and chatting about all the latest and greatest in games. Uh, really cool to see. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a great place to hang out and chat. So definitely check that out. Uh, you can visit us on the web, gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find Jocelyn at Joss Plays, myself at R Murphy, Crofton at Crofton Steers, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Yeah.